charge. Daytona International Speedway. This is a moment you have all been waiting for. Here to give the command of fire engines is actor, entrepreneur, founder, and United Football League co-owner, the Grand Marshal for the 66th running of the Daytona 500, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. In the proud spirit of America, and in the proud spirit of our great country, finally, The Rock says, Drivers, start your engine! Welcome in another episode of the Upspeed Podcast. Ready to go, Tyler Head and Dalton Mullinax with you as always. A couple days later on this week, after things got shifted around with the Daytona 500, um, I can confirm being down in Daytona was indeed very wet. We yeah. got to the track at about 4 o'clock on Saturday, about the time the Xfinity race was supposed to start, and it literally did not stop raining until about 11, 11.30 on Monday morning when the Xfinity race was supposed to start a second time. Uh, but after that, cleared up, great weather, and we got to enjoy a wonderful 500. We got we got 800 laps on Monday. Um, I mean, I was, uh, I, I was at work for the whole 500 and then was yep. able to get home in time for the Xfinity race and um i mean look i I wish they were ran on saturday and sunday but like i gotta lie it was kind of fun having both races to look forward to we'll dive into all the specifics of this but i i got into it with some folks on twitter about this with the way the schedule ended up working out where you had the daytona 500 starting at 4 30 and then you had the xfinity race starting a little after nine and basically running until midnight i was surprised the amount of people they're like well, this ruins the prestige of the Daytona 500. It's like, no, they tried to run the Xfinity race in the morning. It didn't work that way. TV didn't want to move the 500 again, so the Xfinity race ran second. It's not that big of a deal. No, it's not, and it's just, look, that's the that's the magic of, of TV and and how everything goes together. TV runs everything, you know, sure. it, it, just the way it is in sports, and, um, you know, it's just... If you were going to watch, and I truly believe this, if you were going to watch the race at 11 o'clock, you're going to watch the race at 9 o'clock. Pretty much. But I think it was people saying that, like, oh, well, that technically means the Daytona 500 is not the main event. So uh, they got to get these races run some kind of way. And people saying, well, they should have pushed the the 500 to start at 6 o'clock and let it be run last. Like, look, and again, TV controls everything here. I think NASCAR made the right call Sunday morning by calling off Sunday when they did because it was going to rain all day. There was no sense in fans sitting at the track all day and waiting around for it to be called at 5, 6 o'clock. Like they saw the weather, saw the forecast. It's not going to happen. Let's move it. And I view this from Fox perspective where you say, okay, we're now giving people over 24 hours notice about the updated time. Like, hey, we're running this thing tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Tell your friends, tell your family to, to tune in at 4 the fact that you've had all that time of moving the race and ha- having people knew- know that new time, if they tune in at four o'clock on Monday and the race isn't running, they'd be like, what the heck? Right. What was that about? And then like, right. oh, we got to move to six o'clock. Well, now I don't want to watch it. Like you already moved it once. You don't want to move it again. I understand completely why they did what they did. Yep. And, and th- at the end of the day, it all worked out. It did. We got treated to a really good race. Um, I mean, as we would have expected to have had on Sunday, you had the day-to-night transition, which I think is always really, really cool. And, you know, for 
as critical as we've been of super speedway racing with the next gen car i thought we got treated to one of the better races that we've seen that was very action-packed from start to finish yeah i agree um you know and we'll get into the specifics of the other series here in a minute but after a weekend full of a lot of crashing and a lot of um poor driving decisions it was nice to watch the best drivers in the world go out there and yeah you had some big wrecks at the end of the race but 85, 90% of that race was relatively clean, which I thought was fantastic. And I thought that it was the one of the better super speedway races under this new car. Yeah, it, it really I, was. And, and to me, one of the struggles of the next-gen car has been the ability to maintain three-wide racing when they want to. Um, I mean, they were getting out in line and getting that third lane going multiple times on Sunday. I know there are areas where they were kind of riding, trying to get to the next pit stop or whatever, where they weren't trying to. But as soon as they got to about 30 to go and the intensity ramped up, boom, here comes that third lane and three wide, all eight, nine, 10 rows deep, however many it was, um, which I thought was encouraging to see. Yeah. So great race, obviously won by William Byron. We've these past couple of years, William Byron has been such a focal point. When we talk about, okay, all right, he's figured out how to win. Now, can he put multiple wins together? Can he put a full season together? Can he get to the championship four? He's doing all these things. Got his championship four last year, led the series and wins, all that kind of stuff. Now he's won the biggest race of the year to start off the season. Already locked himself in the playoffs, the whole nine yards. Like, again, when you get to the final four, it's, you know, anything can happen because it's a one race playoff. But like William Byron is once again showing he's going to be one of the cars to beat this year. Yeah. You know, I thought Steve Letard, I, I think I read it on Twitter, but he was either on a podcast or interviewed or something. And, you know, I'm a big Letard fan anyways. But mm. he said, that, and he made a really good point, like over the past, like I think he said like 18 months, how much William Byron has changed. Yep. You know, just based on the fact he's winning, you know. And he said like, you know, before, before he's got on this, you know, 18 to 24 month hot streak, it was, you looked at the 24 car and you're like, that's Jeff Gordon's car. That's Jeff Gordon's mm-hmm. car. It, it will always be Jeff Gordon's car. It will always be Jeff Gordon's car. But I thought what was really interesting, and, and he, the way he said it, he was like, you look at that 24, and you're like, you know what? That's William Byron. Yeah. You know, it was so – I don't know. It was, just, it, it was interesting the way he said it, and I, I agree with him because it's like, you know, when you win the Daytona 500, you're forever known as the Daytona 500 champion. Sure. You know, they had, they had Trevor Bain – doing the pre-race show every time i look at trevor bain i remember his daytona 500 win right you know i don't remember anything else but i remember that 500 win and and it changes your life it really does right and you know it's actually kind of interesting when you think about it the career trajectory of both jeff gordon and william byron very early on in his career now look i'm not saying william byron's going to go win four championships and 93 races but you think about it like Gordon was this guy that's flying up the ranks, this, you know, next big thing, young talent, gets in the Cup Series, struggles in his first year, starts winning in his second year, wins a championship in his third year, and then goes on to have this Hall of Fame career. Byron was a little bit more slow. You know, the first really two years of his career were just a lot of learning, a lot of bad finishes, wrecks, that kind of stuff. But when he finally started winning, it was one race a season, and it became two races a season, and then he explodes this past year like he's really hitting his stride. What He's, he's younger than both of us. Is he... 26, 27 years old, like he's still got a long career ahead of him, but he's getting up there, double digit wins now. Like obviously he's now got a crown jewel race under his belt. Like he's, I agree with you. It's no longer, oh, well, that's just the guy in the 24 car. He's now 
legitimately adding to the legacy of what Jeff Gordon built over the course of, you know, two and a half decades. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing, too, is like, I think when you, or when I look at drivers anyway, like, if you want to like rank them, you know, Mm -hmm. who's the driver, who's that A class, that B class, that C class, or whatever. And it's like, one of the things for like, and this is just me, it's just an opinion, but like, one of the things for me, like with that A class is like, I look at it as a guy that can win anywhere. Yeah. Okay. And there's not a ton of those guys in the field. And I thought this before this re- weekend, but it just solidified even more. I think William Byron's in that class. You know, I, I, I think on a weekly basis, he's got a chance to win every single race. Well, I mean, let's think back to some of the wins that he just had in these past couple of years. Daytona, obviously, that's super speedway. Las Vegas last year, that's a mile and a half. Darlington's kind of an in-between intermediate. He's won at Martinsville. He's won at Phoenix. I mean, he's won at Watkins Glen, which is a road course. Like, this dude is literally, like you said, winning everywhere. And when we think about what it takes to win the championship now, especially we have two road courses and two super speedways, um, you know, in the playoffs now, you literally have to be good everywhere to survive these rounds. And William Byron is making himself in to one of those well-rounded kind of guys. And that's kind of what the identity of Hendrick Motorsports, I feel like, has become. You have Kyle Larson who can win anywhere. You have Chase Elliott who can win anywhere. Alex Bowman has won at different places, but I don't know if we're necessarily putting him up there with those guys in the same conversation right now. But William Byron, while I don't think he's maybe to the level of Chase and Kyle Larson yet, he's churning in that direction and is not far behind them. Um, you know, to where I think in a couple of years we're going to be talking about, you know, that Hendrick is truly like this superpower and maybe not akin to what it once was with, you know, Jimmy and Jeff and Mark Martin, but, you know, a, a new era of that, certainly. And hopefully Byron, Byron, or excuse me, uh, Bowman comes along as well. I mean, gosh, yeah. he very nearly won the 500 himself on Sunday, um, yeah. but he definitely needs a little bit more consistency to kind of be in that same conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um. Unfortunately, we did not get a green flag finish to this race for how clean it ended up being. Ross Chastain going for it there on the last lap ends up tangling with Austin Sendrick. I know those two ended up um, disagreeing for, um, you know, on on what exactly happened right there. But um, again, I thought relatively overall, besides the big one that happened with about 12 laps to go, clean race for the most part, very good race. Um, I did see a lot of people and I, I couldn't tell this in the stands because, I mean, we don't have telemetry to tell you how fast people are going i couldn't tell when they had slowed down the pace quite a bit um they were running like three four seconds slower than they typically would run and i saw a lot of people that were upset about that um that and going back and watching the race didn't really bother me because i mean it's fuel saving it's part of strategy it's part of racing i get it we do it at every other track why should a super speedway be different i'm afraid though nascar is going to get really involved with this they're going to make some kind of dumb rule that just ends up backfiring in their face saying, okay, well now we're going to have like a break in the middle of the stage to allow you to pit. So you're not saving fuel. And then we're going to award points to the normal caution lap. And I, just, I, I fear they're going to mess this up somehow. You know, my, my papa always said like rules lead to more rules. Yeah. And that's, that's what I feel here. It's like, I don't think it's necessary, you know, it is a, and I don't remember who said it, but they were like, yeah, they've been doing this for years. It just got pointed out on, sure. on Monday. And, and that's kind of my thing is like, as a fan, you know, like you said, you couldn't notice it in the crowd. Right. For me, like, I don't really care, you know, it, it, watching it 
from home. I mean, like I know Denny Hamlin was triggered about it and and said he wanted to go race and and blah blah. I, I get that, you know, and I, I wish they diced it up all race. But part of the fun for me in the super speedway races, um, mainly Talladega and Atlanta or in Daytona, excuse me, um, is the fact that you know there's there's strategy. You know, you watch you watch what happened the the duels on Thursday night where Tyler Reddick almost wrecked the whole dual field um, mm-hmm. trying to get to pit road to, to pit with those fellow Toyotas, you know? And it's like, for me, that's fun. Like seeing, seeing the different strategies play out, seeing who can, you know, get formed up quickly. And like, that's part of it. I mean, you know, I, one of the things coming out of this that I hadn't really thought of, but, but may work is like getting rid of the, getting rid of the stage cautions yep. uh, and just letting them and letting them run, you know, and rewarding points. I don't know if that's the answer, um, but again, I didn't have a problem with it, so I don't think there sure. needs to be any changes made. Yeah, if they're going to change something, I feel like that would make the most sense. I don't know if they're willing to do that. They did it for a couple of the road courses last year before quickly reversing course. Um, you could also shorten the stages to be like 30, 35 laps. That, that way it's less than a fuel run, so you're not having to worry about it. I don't think they would go that route, but I, I just really hope looking at this, they kind of realized it's not a big deal because again, when it came down to brass taxing the race, the final stage was great. You know, everybody was in their fuel window that went hard and, and we got good racing out of it. Um, like you said, this is something they've been doing for years. I mean, for how long have we seen them go into single file and log laps for 30, 40 laps, getting to that next pit stop, getting to the end of the stage, whatever it may be. So at least we had some slicing and dicing while also saving fuel at the same time. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like I said, it's not something that I, well, I stand corrected. I did notice something weird one time when, and I think like Denny and Hamrick were up there, like four cars broke away from the field, just like out of nowhere. And I was like, that doesn't typically happen in the cup series. I wonder what's going on with that. Upon watching the race back, I was like, oh, they weren't saving fuel like the rest of the pack was. And that's why they drove away. But again, when everybody put their foot to the floor, we got great racing, three and four wide action. And uh, again, I, I think overall the 500 was great. Right. Um, you know, we talked about this on Thursday, no Friday, uh, Friday, whenever we did the show, um, after watching the duels and, or excuse me, after watching qualifying, then we obviously saw the duels, um, on Thursday night where in qualifying Ford sits on the front row with Joey Logano, Michael McDowell, like, okay, Ford has really good, just straight up raw speed. We go to the duels, the Toyotas win both the duels. We're like, man, Toyota's really good at working together in packs. And we saw that a lot on Sunday as well. I think Joey Logano legitimately had the best car out of everybody. Led a bunch of laps, laps started on the pole, ends up getting wrecked out um, in the big one with about 12 laps to go there. Um, for as good as Ford and and um, Toyota were, Chevy ended up coming out the best because they had the most cars left at the end of the race. And they worked together and they won the race. Again, you had um, Byron winning the race. Bowman in second, you know, AJ Allmendinger got a top five, like the, the numbers were in, in Chevrolet's favor at the end of the race to where, um, again, and again, for the first time in forever, Chevy wasn't on the front row of the 500, but um, ended up working out uh, in their favor. But in um, for the rest of the year, as we go to Atlanta, as we go to Talladega, as we go to Daytona and Atlanta again later on in the year, Fords and Toyotas are going to be hard to beat. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, the Chevys did a really good job of executing their, their game plan. You know, I think yeah. that was part, that was part of the biggest thing for them is they, 
you know, they had a plan, they stuck to it and it worked. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we know that every manufacturer comes up with this idea like, hey, we're all going to work together and we're going to try this and try that to make sure that our manufacturer goes to victory lane. And typically, despite how hard they try and stick to that, a lot of that goes out the window once the race starts. But I think Chevy did a good job. And and in fact, there were points of the race where a lot of the good Chevys, um, you know, Ross and, um, you know, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, they were kind of hanging out at the back. Like yeah. logging laps, waiting for something to happen, waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when it did, you know, end up charging the front and, um, you know, making making um, making the run there at the at the very end of the race. So um, I don't know how Chevy's going to fare this year overall with the older body style compared to the new Toyota and the new Mustang. But at least for Speed Week, they uh, were able to come out on top of the 500. Yeah. Um, a quick observation, just kind of being in the rate, being at the race from you know the stands again. I not privy to telemetry or anything like that watching the race very good um overall like i said two at least two wide action going on the entire race a lot of slicing and dicing guys being able to move through the field i know late in the race like keselowski went from like 30th to fifth in a handful of laps which is something that again we haven't really um you know been able to say with the next gen car because like oh you're stuck in line and it's hard to pass and all that kind of stuff it seems to be getting easier which i think is one of those things that the more teams time teams have with the, this rules package and be able to work with it the better they're going to get the faster these cars are going to get i thought we yeah. saw that on display on sunday as well yeah i agree well and like so. you, know, you alluded to it a little bit like the, really the final 30 laps that's when that third line got to really go in and there was one point in time they mentioned on the broadcast joey logano was hauling the mail on the outside i mm-hmm. mean he was probably going four or five miles an hour fast or it looked like he was yeah faster, faster than the other two lines and and that's the thing we haven't been, we haven't seen that it, it, yeah. so far this with this new car and and you know it's just it's to me it's exciting I mean because you know if I had to rank them you'd go you know from best to worst you go mile and a half you know super speedways then short tracks right. but it's if we can if we can race like we did this weekend um, at the other super speedways we'll be just, the only thing the only problem we'll have is short tracks absolutely. Um, looping back around to William Byron here, winning the 500, you know, the 500's kind of a weird thing when you talk about the prestige of the race, obviously it's NASCAR's biggest race, but for the past couple of years, and this is no disrespect to Ricky Stenhouse, Austin Sandra, Malcolm McDowell, but those guys winning the race, y- you knew that when they won that race, like, okay, there's a good chance that's their only win in the season. And it ended up being just that there is something special to me about seeing somebody that won that race saying, okay, that's a guy that can go win the championship as well. Because I think that not only elevates the prestige of that driver, I think it elevates the prestige of the race as well, because super speedways have taken on this like moniker of, oh, it's crapshoot. Anybody can win. Like, you know, Corey LaJoy is probably going to win this weekend in Atlanta or something like that. And that's not a disrespect to the drivers themselves, but I like the fact when super speedway races get won by legitimately good super speedway racers because again i think that elevates everything as as a whole especially again with 500 24 william byron like all these things that go into it that again i I think make the win look that much better not only from a diehard fans perspective but from a more casual perspective as well when he's getting interviewed on good morning america this is somebody that's going to be relevant again in two weeks and being contending for wins all year long in addition to already being the daytona 500 champion and it's kind of like a random side piece if that makes sense no, it makes complete sense because you're you're not a one hit wonder, you right. know. And again, Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, 
honestly, until they mentioned it in the broadcast, I totally forgot that he had won last year. It's very easy to forget. You know, and that's again, that's no slouch to to him, but it's just yeah. the end of the day. It's just I want to see, I want to see Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, William, mm-hmm. Ace Elliott, Kyle Larson. These you know top drivers of the sports that have still not won the Daytona 500. I, I want to see them selfishly. I want to see them win, you know, right. uh, it, um, I was rooting. I, I mean, I'm not, I am, you know, I'm a Hendrick guy, so I'm not yeah. mad firing one, but it's like, I was really hoping that, that this would be the year Kyle Busch or Kesley every year we go to the, the 500. I, I'm that way. Cause I mean, reality is you don't know much longer. These guys are going to race for you get one sure. shot at one shot. Well, and for somebody like Kyle Busch, that's literally the only box he doesn't have checked on his career resume is winning the Daytona 500, which, and I picked him because I thought this was, you know, finally going to be, um, you know, his year ends up having the tire problem, but still was able to work his way back up there, um, you know, in the late stages of the race. But, um, you know, uh, again, when you kind of look at this race overall, I think, and you were texting me about this during the race, how much handling is now coming into play at Daytona. Yeah. They repaved it in 2011 um that's what ended up leading to tandem drafting and all that kind of stuff but it's taken a while but the track's finally taking on that character again we're having cars just randomly spin out coming out of turn number four and it's not you know yeah it's still mainly wide open but you do have to have a little bit more finesse to your driving compared to what it's been in years past which again i think rewards the guys that are legitimately just the best racers overall to be able to handle their car and also be able to draft and stay up front too which again just i think adds more layers to the prestige of this race yeah, I agree. Um, what's not prestigious is some of the other things that happened over the weekend at Daytona. Um, I, I don't care what the sponsor of this race is. It can be beef. It's what for dinner. It can be the United Rentals. At the end of the day, the Xfinity race is the Austin Hill Invitational until he finally decides to go to the Cup Series. Because for the third freaking year in a row, you can knock him down. You can tear his fenders off. You can make him start at the back for going 180 miles an hour on pit road. He's going to find a way to win this freaking race. You know, and it's just, it's incredible, honestly, because you're like, how, how is this happening? You know, I mean, it's just like when he got, when he got the damage, you're like, man, they, they, he's done. He ain't got no chance. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh my gosh, the 21's starting on the front row. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and look, RCR has always been good at super speedway racing, but there's something legitimately special about Austin Hill and talking about the randomness of super speedway racing, like the, the Xfinity series has been the epitome of randomness. I mean, Jeremy freaking Clements won there, you know, a year and a half ago. Like that's not random. I don't know what is, but the fact that you won now, Tony Stewart back in the day used to win this race all the time. It was Tony Stewart invitational for several years, but went through these variety of winners. And now, I mean, Austin Dillon or Austin Hill's got a chokehold on this race. And, Again, despite having a car that probably wasn't driving all that great, he still found a way to get up there and win the thing. Yeah, it, it's impressive. So um, it was very late. I, so I knew when they moved the Xfinity race to 9 o'clock that night, I was really debating. I was like, it's free race. I don't have to pay for the ticket. Do I want to stick around for this thing? But after the Cup Series race ended when it did, knowing the Xfinity race wasn't going to start to like 9, 10, 9, 15, I told Peyton, I was like, this race is legitimately going to run until midnight do we really want to be getting back to the hotel at like one 30 in the morning? And I was almost dead on. Cause that race didn't until like 1150. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing it's been fun, but you know, at the same point in time you've been at the track all day anyways. And you, like you said, it got cold. So it was windy. 
Yeah, I uh, we were we were definitely ready. I went back to the hotel, watched the end of the race, and then went to sleep shortly after that. I was not complaining. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to give a shout out. Shane Van Gisbergen finishes twelfth in his first ever Xfinity Series race. Um, got knocked around a little bit, spun across the front stretch one time. Car was pretty beat up. Um, I don't think he learned anything from the ARCA race on Saturday morning. I guess technically is when that race was won. Um, but good on him. He's obviously learning a lot this year. Um, I think he was probably drinking out of a fire hose when it came to super speedway racing, but still managed to finish in the top 12. Obviously, we'll talk about him more when it comes to the road courses where he's going to win races this year. I can almost guarantee you that on the Xfinity side, but good first official start as far as the super speedways go. Yeah, not bad. So what was bad, good transition there, was um, this truck series race on Friday night. Um, we, we, we had so much hope, right, going into this race that, okay, Phoenix was a disaster. Maybe, maybe that was the wake-up call. Maybe the truck series looked itself in the mirror and said, man, we really embarrassed ourselves in what should be our most important race of the year in the championship. Guys, let's clean this up. I was reading articles about, I forget the race director's name, um, but Matt Weaver had a good article about it on Sports Not, like legitimately sitting these guys down before Daytona and said, guys, let's be better. Let's be smarter. Let's not embarrass ourselves and look stupid out there. And what did they do? They proceeded to go out there and set the all-time caution record for the truck series at Daytona. I don't. Look, I used to love the truck series. This used to be legitimately my favorite series. They ran short, quick, concise races. You had, you know, former Cup Series veterans, Mike Skinner, Todd Bodine, Jack Sprague, Johnny Benson, like these grizzled guys that had been to the top of stock car racing and decided to go down to the truck series, wrap up their career, run for a championship. And in turn, they were teaching the next generation of NASCAR racecraft and how to handle these bigger tracks, how to handle these faster tracks. And it was very much an unattended consequence, but it worked out so well because it helped get us some of these great rookies that have gone on to great things in the cup series. And then, you know, for, as time went on, those guys kind of phased out and it just kind of became this true development series where you have 17, 18, 19, 20 year old guys making up the bulk of the field. Yeah. You have Matt Crafton still running around out there and grand in finger, but those guys have never gone farther than the truck series. They don't bring that same veteran experience that some of these other guys have had. And, Unfortunately, because of that, this series just gets worse and worse every year. Yeah, it does. I mean, one hundred percent does. Um, you know, it's it's frustrating too because it's like you know, you go out here and junk a bunch of trucks for what? You know, it's just it's just it's frustrating. Why I watched every bit of it, but I was I, I don't know. It was just frustrating, and, and like you said, like for it to come out that they were sat down and said, basically, don't make a fool of yourself. And then they proceeded to make a fool of themselves. It's just like, this the thing is like, there's some really talented dudes there. There's some guys that have been there for a long time. But sure. then you have these kids that who mommy and daddy just buy their seat and they shouldn't be there. They should not be there. Do you want to know what the average length of a green flag run in that race on Friday night was? Got to be less than 10 laps. 4.1. Oh my gosh. Dang. I, I, knew, I knew it was bad. I didn't think it would be that bad, though. Yeah, um, uh, pretty awful. And look, I, I, I've i said this about ARCA for years. You remember when Ty Gibbs was tearing it up down in ARCA? 
winning everything. And, and you and I talked about this. We're like, I really don't know how good Ty Gibbs is because the competition level and the quality of racing there is not what it was 10 years prior, where you could look at somebody in Arca and say, hey, that guy's good. He's winning races, he's winning championships, whatever it may be. The truck series is unfortunately becoming that, where yeah. I would rather see somebody just go run an Xfinity car, like Carson Hosevar. I didn't know about him, ran an Xfinity car. Okay, kid's very talented. We're obviously seeing that translate, um, you know, in the couple of starts he's gotten in the, cup, in the Cup Series prior to the Daytona 500 on Sunday. But, like, Nick Sanchez won this race on Friday night. I don't know if Nick Sanchez is good. He's come close to winning races, and I'm, hey, cool, you finally broke through and got your first one. But if he goes out there and wins five races and wins the championship, I don't know if that means he's good or not because just the quality of competition there is nowhere near what it once was. Right, right. So – unfortunate i don't know what the fix is i do i do know kyle bush is running the truck race on saturday and i think he's going to kick everybody's butts which maybe that's the wake-up call that they need yeah because for the longest time we've tried to and look i'm guilty of it too pull these cup guys more and more out of the lower series because we felt like it was stinking up the show well i guess they were they were teaching these guys something that we do maybe need that's to allow them a little bit more access than what than uh, what they have now yeah for real so all comes on full circle. Unfortunately, again, congrats to Nick Sanchez for surviving the chaos. I don't know what Raja Karuth was doing on the last lap, but um, I hope whatever Bubba said to him after the race resonated with him. Yeah. Because just was not pretty at um, at all. So now we move on to another drafting track with Atlanta this weekend. I don't remember if I talked about this when we did the um, – uh episode on the schedule being released i don't love having to drafting track back to back i get what nascar is doing where you have a lot of casual interest for the 500 okay well let's give them something similar the next week maybe that'll hook them to watch vegas and phoenix and all that kind of stuff this is very much an entertainment form of racing guys yep. close together big wrecks all that kind of stuff to me you got to space it out yeah february run daytona April run Atlanta, May or June, or maybe not June, it's too hot then, May run Talladega, you know, August run Daytona again, um, can throw Atlanta in there in July like they've had the past couple of years. I think periodically try and do this at least once, once a month or every six weeks. I don't like clumping these races close together. And we're going to have the same thing in the playoffs where you have Daytona, Darlington, and then Atlanta. Like, I feel like you need to spread these kind of races out on the schedule. That's my opinion. No, I agree. I mean, because that's the thing. <laughs> You know, it's going to be hard to tell. Atlanta raced differently last year than it did this first year. Sure. You know, how much is the track worn this year? You know, I, I still think everybody's planning on being a big pack, but what happens if it starts to, to play differently, you know, or race differently? So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's – we'll see what happens, but I agree. I, I don't love it being second in line. Yeah, and I think – Eventually, Atlanta is going to get back to being a more traditional mile and a half once the pavement continues to wear. And we know how you know brutal some of the winters in in Atlanta can be that you know lead to that aging. We definitely saw more of a strung out race, but a very good one at, at Atlanta in July before the rain obviously moved in. So hopefully, going to get treated to something pretty nice this weekend. Um, thankfully, no rain in the forecast for Sunday. Yeah. Finally, so that's good to see. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see. How much has changed since last July with this track? Yeah. Uh, with that, we do move on to Atlanta. All three series in action. Trucks and Xfinity on Saturday. And the Cup Series wrapping it up on Sunday for the Ambetter 400. Uh, neither one of us have made a correct pick yet. 
so far. So we're still tied at zero to zero. We'll start off with the truck series early on on Saturday. Yeah, you mentioned him. You mentioned him um, a second ago, and um, I'm going to go with Raja Karuth this weekend. I think he learned a lot this past weekend in Daytona. Um, obviously, you know, Bubba speaking to him and, and telling him where he went wrong and stuff like that. That'll help. But I think the biggest help is going to be the fact he has Kyle Busch's with him this weekend. You know, you'll have him, you'll have Chase Purdy, just an extra truck in there. To, I mean, I know they had Corey LaJoy this past mm-hmm. weekend. You know, having a guy like Kyle Busch, you know, is going to put him – he wouldn't put him in a bad spot. So I right. think that, you know, Kyle could be the guy that helps him get to the front. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with that. And look, I, I try not to go the easy way with picking. I think Kyle Busch is very likely going to be up front to win this race, but I'll stick with the with truck series regulars. I'm going to go with Ty Majeski, 98, or 98 truck, excuse me. Showed a lot of promise in Daytona this, uh, this past weekend. He's a good super speedway racer. His finishes just don't um, usually end up reflecting on that, but um I think I'm going to go with Ty Majeski on Saturday. All right. Xfinity Series on later on Saturday afternoon. And this is a race that, you know, has what? They've done this four times at Atlanta now with Super Speedway. We've seen chaos. We've seen calmness. Who knows what we're going to end up seeing on Saturday? Yeah, only time will tell. Um, I'm going to go maybe a little off the wall here. Um, maybe not that far, though. Uh, I'm going to go with Riley Herbst. I just okay. feel like there's, I feel like the, I know that there's strength in numbers and Fords are way outmanned at, at these type of tracks, but um, you know I, I've been really impressed with him. You know, probably the past six races he's ran. You know, I don't know what flip switched for him, um, but he continues to run well, and um, you know he we know I have a good car, qualified front yeah. keep. I will say this. I think he's earning the reputation of being a pretty solid super speedway racer. Um, I know he hasn't won there yet, but you look at what he's done on the cup side and the few starts that he's gotten. He was in the mix, obviously, on um, on Monday night running the Xfinity Series race. And, yeah, having, you know, a Roush Hates power certainly helps you out there. But he's definitely gained that reputation. And, you know, being the fact that we've been hard on him for several years because yeah. he's torn up a lot of stuff done some dumb things behind the wheel of the race car but i'd say this past year and a half he's really coming to his own and just spending more time in the xfinity series also it helps when you know the noah gregson's and the ty gibbs and all that kind of move on to the cup series to leave you a little bit more space to to maybe um shine a little bit more but um i've been very impressed with him i don't think that's a bad pick um you know by any means especially with we know what kind of power ford brings to these type of tracks um i gotta go with the hot hand he's won here before in the xfinity series just won on monday night i mean it's hard to pick against Austin Hill in his home state. Yeah. Uh, going to the Cup Series on Sunday, again, 400 miles at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. And, and again, was one of the better races last year when we raced here in July. Going to have beautiful weather on Sunday. Hopefully that translates to a good race. I mean, Willie B, he's won here twice before. Does he make it back-to-back to start the season? I don't think so. Um, the numbers aren't really in his favor for that. Um, I don't believe so anyways. I'm going to go with a guy that we've been waiting to get that first win in his new gig. Brad Keselowski is winning this weekend in Atlanta. Okay. And um, I would contend if the race went green all the way in July last year, he probably ends up winning that race. Yep. Um, That was probably his best race of the year. Unfortunately, it didn't come all the way down to the end. But look, he's a super speedway savant. 
one of the best modern super speedway racers that we have. Um, Daytona, or excuse me, Atlanta is obviously a little bit different than Daytona Talladega, but he finds his way to be in the front. And I agree with you. I, I think he's got a very good shot at, um, you know, finally getting to victory lane this upcoming weekend. I do like the pick of a Ford sticking uh-huh. the Ford camp. I said it, he was probably the best car at Atlanta or excuse me, Daytona ends up getting knocked out in the big one. I think Joe Logano goes back to back in the spring Atlanta race. Yeah. So, um, for power, just so good at these super speedways. And I think that dark horse is help, helping them cut through the air a little bit better too. Mm-hmm. It, it appears to be so far. So, which by the way, I seeing it up close and personal and, you know, seeing everybody's paint schemes and stuff like that on it, the Toyota, that's a sleek looking car. That is yeah. a good looking race car when it's, you know, all wrapped up perfectly and everything like that. Yeah. So got some good looking cars in the field. I'm I, mm-hmm. obviously partial to the Camaro cause we're, Chevy guys, but Toyota looks good. I think the Dark Horse Mustang looks good. This is the kind of branding you need for your top series. 100%. So that'll do it for today's edition of the Upstream Podcast. We'll be back next week to break down all things Atlanta and look ahead to the first real race of the year, Las Vegas. So for Dalton Mullinax, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.